Welcome to New Books in Political Science. My name is Heath Brown. Today I'll talk with Andrew Taylor, who's the author of Congress, a performance appraisal. I hope that you enjoy the interview. Welcome to New Books in Political Science. I have the real good pleasure today of talking to Andrew Taylor, who is the author of Congress, a performance appraisal. Andy, how are you doing today? Fine, thank you, Heath. I really enjoyed the book, and before we get to talking about the book, maybe you can tell us just a little bit more about yourself, where you are, where you've been, uh, what comes before this interesting book. Well, um, as the listeners might have already noticed, um, I'm not a native of the United States. Um, I, uh, I'm from the United Kingdom originally, and I came over to the U.S. Uh, in the late 1980s as a graduate student. Um, I was interested, always interested in American politics and my undergraduate major um, at the University of Kent at Canterbury in England was in American studies with a, with a concentration in American politics and um, I came to the United States for a year um, actually at Lehigh University which is in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania um, as an undergraduate. Um, when I was finishing my undergraduate degree in the UK, didn't, was at a loose end and was in contact with people like uh, um, faculty at, at Lehigh and they suggested uh, why don't I come and do a master's, which I thought was a pretty good idea at the time, um, largely because I didn't have anything better to do and then uh-huh. uh, really wanted to go, go on and so I did my master's there, I did my PhD um, at the University of Connecticut. Um, and then I decided to sort of pop into that one in career in the US and I was working on American politics generally, specifically on Congress. Um, the dissertation at UConn was, was actually on policy productivity um, under unified and divided government, sort of inspired somewhat by Mayhew's work at the time. But I considered myself primarily a congressional scholar and then uh, so I went out on the market once I got my PhD and I, I came down here to NC State in Raleigh um, in 1995 and uh, it's amazing to think it's been 18 years that I've been here ever since. Right, and you know, in this this book, I, once you know, as we get to the end of our discussion, you can see, and I don't know if this is in your plan, applying the very same methods to other countries and other um, other legislatures. And so um, I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the book a lot. Um, the way you set the book up at the start is, is you kind of take a survey of, of research and, and, and public perceptions on what's wrong with Congress. Right. And, and, I, and it seems to me that, that you're also, as you move in the book, you're thinking, well, some of this is right, some of this is wrong, some of this is just, you know, kind of the misperceptions. I wonder if just briefly we can start out with you kind of either talking a little bit about some of the sort of the best of that research that really gives us the best sense of either the public opinion about Congress or the best sense of what's wrong with Congress, um, but sort of sort out for us just our, our kind of these basic impressions from what we actually know about Congress. Yeah, well, I, 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 as most of the listeners probably know, um, Congress uh, is not held in very high esteem by the American public, and all the survey research uh, demonstrates that in both an absolute and, and relative sense, um, public approval of, of members of Congress actually the job that the institution is doing um, are very low rates, basically all-time low, you know, 
most of this, these data have been collected really since the, the late 1960s, early 1970s. But in that time span, we're at a very low level. Uh, approval for the institution as a whole is in in the high single digits. Sometimes in the last few months, few years, it's got above that in the low doubles, you know, low teens. But it's 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 terrible. Um, and uh, but there is also uh, um, literature out there, um, books uh, and, and articles written both by uh, well by practitioners, journalists, and um, political scientists that kind of share this. Um, approach and, and are also equally uh, disparaging of, of the Congress. Um, and so what I wanted to do was at the beginning of the book is, is kind of set that up as, as a, you know, a general position of, of both um, the public uh, but also um, uh, political scientists, uh, journalists and practitioners. There's some uh, interesting Work done by former members of Congress um, along this line, along these lines, and say, look, um, uh, you know, people don't really think very highly of the United States Congress. Is this fair? Is this a legitimate position? Um, it's, it's obviously a clear one. Uh, is it legitimate? And I was the thing that really sort of provoked this book was I would hear this all the time. Um, uh, even when I was up in Washington, I was a uh, American Political Science Association Congressional Fellow in 1999, uh, um, I heard it up there all the time. Uh, people just assume that, that Congress was terrible, but I'd never seen anybody who'd really sat down and, and, and try to um, work this out in a systematic way and suggest whether it was a, a fair assessment or not. So that, that's what the, that's the first part of the book is, is laying that out and. And that's really what, what kind of interested me in, in writing it. Yeah, I, I think what's really appealing about the book is because is, is this, you know, we've read it in so many different places and, and the bemoaning of what's wrong with Congress, um, you know, has, has, has uh, created lots and lots of books and lots and lots of articles. But, you know, you, you take this approach where you're going to try to do something and, and, and make a little bit more sense of this and your approach is to create a series of benchmarks. Um, so, how do you develop these benchmarks? Uh, what are they? Uh, they're based around six principles, and you end up with 37 benchmarks. So what was your approach to, to identifying these 37 and not 37 others, and why these six principles, and why not six other principles? Yeah. How did you build this base for the book? Well, I was really interested in the sort of benchmarking approach. Um, I, I thought that this was the best way to go about trying to uh, make a uh, strong case that um, Congress wasn't as bad as, as um, popular um, wisdom suggested it was. And so I thought to, to give that argument, well, initially to, to uh, find out how well Congress had been performing in an objective sense, and then um, uh, once, I once I would have the, that, that, um, those results, be able to sell them um, to a obviously skeptical public um, uh, in a compelling way, I realized I needed to go about this systematically um, and come up with certain 
metrics by which to measure congressional performance. And I was interested in the benchmarking approach. Has administrations who use benchmarking quite a lot and, and felt um, that that was a, a good way to go. Um, the real trick was talking about uh, Congress uh, aspirations we have for congressional performance, which generally tend to be in the abstract, um, and then coming up with uh, measures of them that were that could easily be used um, in a in a concrete sense. And so what I did was I started off at the more general and abstract end of that continuum, and come up with what I, as you said, uh, he were, were six basic aspirations, um, and they uh, they come from all um, aspects of, of of congressional life, and um, starting with you know how Congress represents the public, um, uh, whether Congress uh, is transparent um, and easily accessible by the public, then sort of how Congress operates. Um, does it work well? Does it have a good? Uh, does it do? Um, does it deliberate? Does it debate in in in, in, in any uh, in a good way? Um, and then finally, uh, talking about outcomes um, and and whether it makes effective policy or not. Um, oh, and and sorry, and 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 finally, the, the sixth sort of aspiration is is um, does it sort of play a what we consider a healthy role in the in the system of separation of powers and checks and balances. So those are the basic sort of aspirations, and then I had to think of a way of... And by the way, those aspirations are kind of rooted basically in normative political theory, I guess you would say. You know, these are sort of um, things that uh, any people should want um, in, a, in a modern democracy of their um, legislative body. Um, and then I tried to, from those six um, basic... Um, aspirations, um, I went with a more concrete and narrow benchmark that would provide um, things that we could actually measure. So we could say, yes, Congress has met or maybe exceeded or has not met, has not reached uh, those particular benchmarks. Um, and so I, so, so the, the benchmarks are a lot more um, specific uh, and tangible um, and the benchmarks are um, rather like the aspirations um, crafted from normative political theory, but also from um, uh, the, the experiences of Congress in the past, which I think that is fair game, fair game to compare the Congress of today to the Congresses of the past, and also uh, peer in uh, legislative bodies, which I consider those in the American state, such similar and, and so the benchmark come from those, um, and the um, uh, and the assessment of the benchmark comes from those things as well. So we don't have enough time to go uh, talk about each and every one of those thirty-seven. But I wonder if there was one of those benchmarks that surprised you uh, about how well Congress scores, uh, one that sort of sticks out to you. Uh, that uh, Congress is really doing well. If we think about this as an important benchmark, um, Congress really is, is scores quite highly on this. Yeah, well, maybe I could talk about a couple of series of them, Heath. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, probably the two that would 
uh, resonate most with members of the general public are do, the, 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 the first the benchmarks under the first basic aspiration, which I call a robust representative democracy. That is, does Congress represent the views of the American public? And, you know, we, Americans continue to find that that's not the case, that people are, um, in a kind of cocoon up in Washington, they're disconnected from the everyday lives of the American people. They don't understand the, the, the sort of trials and tribulations of everyday life in this country. Uh, but if you look at at least sort of rather coarse but basic aggregate data, um, you can see that um, Congress moves to match changes in public opinion pretty well as um, and so uh, that's an interesting benchmark or a couple of benchmarks I guess uh, in, in, uh, of the 37 that are met um, that I think uh, many Americans um, might be surprised to know. At the other end of the, of the sort of continuum um, uh, is the, the outcome. Um, so that sort of input, I guess, is the outcome and, and, and that's effective public policy. And again, you know, the American public tends to think that Congress isn't very good at solving uh, problems, but um, by, the, by the benchmark date, um, Congress does pretty well. Uh, it, it certainly doesn't do so well in, um, I, I, I argue, in, in, in dealing with problems that are coming down the road. Um, it's not very, uh, doesn't look very well to the future, um, but uh, I argue that it does a pretty good job um, as, a, as a robust economy, um, many people across the world will tell you, um, uh, you know, this has been a, or last century at least, is an American thing. Kinds of public policies in the past. So I think that also would surprise um, uh, many uh, uh, members of the American public that. Um, it meets or largely meets some of the, the policy benchmarks as well. So those two, I think, just because uh, those are the, the two main um, labels uh, uh, leveled at the uh, at the Congress by the American people, I think the findings there would be perhaps uh, uh, most surprising to the layperson who just picks up the book, um, not knowing a, a uh, not being a political scientist, and not knowing a great deal. Yeah, and when, when you go through the, the, the full list, you know, it's something like, I don't know if I didn't count up exactly, but it's something like a half were fully met, another third or so were, were, um, somewhat met, and you get this other portion where, um, Congress doesn't meet these, meet the principles or benchmarks or expectations really at all. Yeah. Some you in the where they're not met, um, you know, are kind of interesting. Um, you know, the, some of the process uh, metrics, some of the process benchmarks, and, and how Congress operates. Um, of not, you know, of um, not having significant or, or enough turnover of the membership. Um, uh, Congress, members of Congress are not represented the general public in an economic they are much wealthier, um, even though that's happened with uh, 
religious affiliation or occupation versus military service in the Now that we guys they don't. So there are some significant ones where they don't need that benchmark. They don't need to meet the benchmark. But you're, I think you're right, um, you are right, in describing um, uh, the fact that uh, the, the majority are met, um, well, at least half are exceeded and, and, and the rest are, 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 half of the rest are met, getting somewhere between 230 and 240. The benchmarks being, being. Yeah, you end the book, um, not surprisingly, with, with some recommendations. Um, recommendations of maybe how to improve things. Yeah. Um, which of these recommend, recommendations um, do you think has the greatest likelihood of being enacted. Um, you know, so, some of the uh, recommendations you could imagine, well, this never will happen. It's a good idea, but it's not going to happen. Are there any that, that you know that stand out to you? Is it something that actually that could be enacted? That there 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 would be bipartisan support for it, and and it would have a, a real beneficial uh, impact on the institution. Well, um, you know, just immediately coming to mind. Uh, I, I just mentioned in answer to the previous question that some of the benchmarks that weren't met were ones that had to do with internal uh, process and procedures. Um, and one of the um, criticisms, um, because it doesn't meet a benchmark, it doesn't meet a sort of basic majoritarian benchmark, one of the procedures that gets criticism in the book um, is the, uh, the notion of unlimited debate um, in the Senate, the rules that allow for unlimited debate and therefore the filibuster in the Senate. And, uh, you know, the, the news at the moment um, is full of, uh, at least, full of, uh, be a real meaningful effort uh, by the majority leadership in the Senate um, to clip the wings um, of the filibuster and, and change rules, particularly on um, uh, confirmate, the confirmation of presidential nominees to executive and judicial positions, whether they will reduce um, the effect of the filibuster. And, and a lot of people are suggesting that that could well happen. Um, it might be painful for uh, Senator Reid and, and, and the, the Senate Democrats to get that to happen, but it, 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 it's on the cards. It might not be a bipartisan um, change, and you, you mentioned that in the question, assuming that any changes have to be bipartisan, but it might be on the cards, uh, and it's one that immediately comes to mind that is sort of consistent with, with some of the things that I've said in the conclusion. Yeah. Have you had the chance, or, or have any members of Congress or former members of Congress had the chance to read the book? The book is very new. I'm not so. sure, although... Um, a colleague of mine did say um, that uh, uh, he had the book in his office when um, uh, Representative Pete Sessions, who actually is now the chair of the House Rules Committee um, from Texas, uh, came in and, and started picking up and reading it and sort of asking him who this Taylor fellow was. Um, uh, but other than that, no. Um, it is. I, I should. I should. I should sort of fork it to, to them. Um, one of the one of the interesting um, footnotes uh, or endnotes in the book, I, I think, is a sort of personal one, which is which is the very last endnote. Because I kind of conclude um, as this by now by 
talking about the number of benchmarks which I feel Congress has met, which listeners might have discerned by now, that um, I, I'm kind of, uh, not, this isn't a book full of praise for Congress, but it is a book that sort of sends Congress from the criticisms that we've been talking about. So I am sympathetic to Congress, I do get Congress better than others, um, but the, this last um, footnote does talk a little bit about the, the members of Congress that I know and have known in the past, um, and it's written, the footnote itself is written to demonstrate that uh, we should expect Congress to have some support, because after all, members of Congress themselves are human beings, and, and human, human beings, as we know, are, are far from perfect. So I should actually uh, contact some of these people from my present and past and, 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 and ask them as members of Congress what they think of the book. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, my, my sense is that a lot, a lot of members would, would say that they might disagree with a lot of the specifics, but, but would sort of say, look, um, you're right, um, we are, the institution is, is unjustly vilified. And, and, and it's an institution, it's a normative um, sort of part of the argument here as well, he said. The institution, I think, is, is, is worth um, obviously protecting and, and promoting. Um, and you can only do that if people buy into the idea that it's doing an okayish job. Um, if, if you continue along the lines of, of, of vilifying it and the public continues to believe it's doing a very, very poor job, members don't have a lot of to promote the, the institution's interest and it's only going to lose. So uh, I, I, would, I would think a lot of members would sort of, they might not want to tell their constituents because it's not a, a popular argument, but they might actually say, you're right, you know, this, this, the institution isn't, isn't doing uh, as bad a job as a lot of people think. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I, you can see a public conversation about your book. You definitely see a uh, this incorporated into a undergraduate course. Um, it's it, so naturally in in the way in which I think students might be able to really grasp. Uh, yeah, ways of you know, it's, that it's very. It, it, I wrote it for that, and my, my publisher wanted me to write it in that way. I, I don't know whether when I initially embarked on the project, I would have wanted to write it quite like that. I I foresaw it a little bit more as a kind of trade book. Um, uh, which may be used as a text, and, and I think it's now a textbook that may be sort of uh, read as a trade book. Um, but yeah, it, it's consciously broad. Um, uh, one reason, because if you're going to uh, praise the performance of an institution, you should draw a bit, but also because um, it could be take the place of a, 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 a be the textbook in an undergraduate course on Congress, and and so if you want to talk about elections, there's nothing there that allows you to talk about elections with your students. Um, if you want to talk about policy outputs, there's enough there. If you want to talk about inner branch relations, there's enough there. If you want to talk about procedure, there's enough there. Um, so yes, it, it, it is it is consciously broad because um, I think we sort of envision it being used uh, in undergraduate courses in Congress. Yeah, I, I usually see that. So, so what is what is next for you? Uh, do you have a new new book project ahead, or, or non-book, but research project? What's what's the next well, thing I, on your I'm research agenda? I'm on a number of. Um, I, I actually wrote a book um, last year. Came out last year. 
in 2012. So this has a 2013 copyright, and that's a book that came out with the University of Michigan Press called Exploring Congressional Life, which is um, aimed more at a, a, an academic audience. And so with two books coming out in two years, I'm sort of exhaling a little bit, but um, I've been working on some article-length projects on Congress. Um, uh, I'm working on something on, on seniority in Congress. I'm working on something um, about uh, the conditions under which members uh, publicize their voting records to their constituents and a number of other little projects. I am actually working on a book, but it's with a colleague in sociology on something completely unrelated to Congress. It's um, on, on uh, school board politics um, in, in Wake County, North Carolina, interestingly enough, um, uh, which have actually um, punctuated the uh, national consciousness on occasions. And, and, and uh, there's an interesting story to tell there. Uh, but um, as far as the next major projects on Congress, I have been doing a little bit um, uh, when I've had some time, and I want to uh, accelerate this. I'm very interested in, and this is sort of connected with this uh, performance appraisal book, I'm very interested in the kinds of members of Congress who are what, I guess, um, some congressional scholars, people like, back in the 60s, people like Donald Matthews would call institutional patriots. Um, that is, people who, um, members who are interested in protecting and promote, promoting the interests of the institution as a whole. Um, and obviously, I think that's a good thing. Uh, the premise of the project is that, um, you know, the incentives, there aren't incentives to do that. Um, it doesn't really help you get re-elected, etc., etc., etc. So, but there have been these characters over the course of congressional history, um, and so I've been doing some research and have had some uh, uh, graduate and undergraduate students with me over the last couple of years, creating a data set um, of who these people are, and we're trying to sort of, I'm trying to sort of explain um, why they do it and and and, and under what conditions. Um, uh, do they um, express and, and, and act in a meaningful way? They act upon this sort of uh, impulse of institutional patriotism. So it's, it's in its very preliminary stages, but I think that's going to be the next big Congress project. Well, I hope when when that's done, or when the school board project book is done, you'll you'll come back and talk about those books. I'd be very happy to. Yeah, until then, uh, Andrew is the author of Congress of Performance Appraisal, published by Westview Press. Uh, Andy, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Heath.